Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 56. We're covering the 2019 Farmers Insurance Open on the PGA Tour and the Dubai Desert Classic on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System, and with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Steve. How are you doing? I'm all right. You're a bit you're a bit low, aren't you, in terms of your um, health? Caught the uh, dreaded man flu off the kids. It always happens, doesn't it? They go back to school this time of year, and uh, the germs just get spread around the house like wildfire, don't they? So, uh, so I'm here with my lem sip. Uh, up to the eyeballs in Neurofen, so fingers crossed we get through the uh, the next. Uh, is it Max Strength? Absolutely. <laughs> that's that's you to the. That's just you to a turn. It Max Strength. <laughs> yeah, it actually, it actually feels like I've had about six pints this morning, but so I can I can assure listeners I, yeah. I haven't not yet anyway. But uh, yeah, we'll see how we get on for the next hour. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk. We're available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. If you want to uh, follow Paul on Twitter, he's available at Golf Betting. I'm available at Bamford Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Podcasts available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and a myriad of different golf pod channels. I shouldn't have said golf, but anyway, different pod channels. You can also listen via our Golf Betting System YouTube channel. Subscribe and follow the podcast. Now, I always say at this point, please take time to rate and review us on iTunes. And naturally, I will read out the uh, reviews that we get at the start of next week's show. That's if they're readable. So, we actually got two last week, Paul. Yeah, I saw this. Some nice ones. Uh, outstanding golf podcast, five stars. I have been listening to this podcast and Steve's YouTube show every week for over a year. Without a doubt, Steve and Paul are the sharpest in the industry when it comes to breaking down the PJ Tour and European Tour. I play DraftKings and FanDuel every week. I have won my fair share of cash because of them. Frankly, five stars is not enough. Should be ten stars. This is Hans Geevers. Uh, via Apple Podcasts yes. in the United States. I know Hans, he sends some uh, nice messages on Twitter. So thank you, Hans, for that. Yeah, love, Much love appreciated. You. He also mentioned that his daughter would be listening to the podcast and would be uh, she'd be over the moon if uh, Hans's name was read out. So there you go. <laughs> Thanks for the feedback, Hans. A second one here, uh, five stars again. Great podcast and very easy listening. Loads of winners since I've started to listen. I look forward to it coming out each and every week that's from gko 23 via apple podcasts and he is in the republic of ireland so thank you for those reviews yeah, keep thanks, them guys. coming and yeah absolutely and uh, they do mean uh, a lot to us mm. and clearly we'll uh, read them out at the top of the uh, upcoming shows right i thought we'd kick off quickly with the farmers insurance open this week Yep. Um, I know that you landed Louis Oosthuizen last week at an each way price, um, which was clearly a conciliatory position for you covering the week. He should have won, really, shouldn't he? That what yeah. what 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 did you put Saturday? Uh, sorry, I would say Saturday, but it was actually what would you put the third round fall of grace down yeah. to? Was that was it mental? Was it bottle? Was it? What I, was I don't it? think it was bottle. No, he, he was in a great spot, wasn't he? And. You know, even even though he was he was just behind going into the third round, 
you know, I'd, I'd almost chalked him up as the winner at that point. Because um, he was playing controlled from sea to green. He had some bad luck, actually, on the first couple of days. He had a little bit of good luck. You know, I suppose you, you ride the luck both ways, don't you? But, um, mm. but yeah, he came out on the Friday, uh, took four to get down from, I don't know, 70, 80 yards on the first hole, made a bogey there. Um, and had three or four proper lip outs over the course of the the kind of front nine ten ten holes he got uh, just got a bit frustrated with it really um and then started missing you know, silly little putts and uh, I, th- I think the 18th hole kind of uh, topped it off really because he played a couple of cracking shots in left himself um i don't know maybe 15 feet for eagle and again it just lipped out and uh, you know the kind of wry look on his face told you that it just hadn't been his day um, a few of those drop, you know, finishes the round on, I don't know, one under, two under, he wins a golf tournament. So Yeah, because he, he finished really strong on the Saturday final round. Yeah, he did, yeah. And he, he kind of, he, he did on Saturday what he'd done on Wednesday and Thursday, which is he played some, some good controlled golf from tee to green and uh, made some putts. It was just, yeah, just a disappointing uh, third round there from him. But, um, but yeah, he, he grabbed the place in the end. I, I, I guess that's the consolation, isn't it? Because... In those situations, sometimes the players go back completely, and you, you you draw a complete blank. So, it wasn't that. Um, I know Barry put up uh, Pablo Larathabel in the pod last week, and uh, he he played some really tidy golf actually, Pablo. Um, he did, yeah. And uh, he birdied the last to grab a, a two thirds um, slice of the each way money for for Barry as well. So that was a nice, good pick from Barry at a longer price. Um, but yeah, again, it just shows you, doesn't it, how tough it is to win a golf tournament because Larry got himself into a, a great position, didn't he? I think he was three or four ahead at one point and relinquished that. And Stern, he got himself into, I think he was four ahead at one point as well. And, uh, you know, frittered those shots away as well. And then uh, it all, yeah. all comes down to I was the always concerned about. I was always concerned about Stern, his bottle, and I think he, he just started uh, falling away, didn't he? And Larry kind of kept it solid enough yeah he did at the end of the day Shane's won some big tournaments hasn't he I mean he's won, he's won a WGC the Bridgestone Invitational over the years and he's contended at US Open so you yeah. know, he's got some uh, he's got some mental fortitude in there and he I know you mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago I'll have to bring this up that you were going to back him for this I would, or for uh, last week I've, I've tried to and put it went, out my you mind went for, but... you, went, you went for the German instead I've tried to put it out of my mind, but I'm sure I spent about five minutes telling people why I wasn't going to back Larry uh, when when a push came to shove last week um, on last week's podcast. And then uh, I think the conversation went with you. Oh yeah, Shane Larry, I'm going to put him up for uh, Abu Dhabi. He's in great nick. The only trouble will be his price won't be very good. And then the prices came out, and we were like, oh, his price is actually very good for Shane Larry. He's a bit half decent price there. Still didn't back him. And you went for Kaima, but. I um on the Desert Classic. I I think a couple of things just for listeners. One thing, uh, first thing to know is John Rahm when defending, he does put up a good stern defence. He's always there or thereabouts when he's defending a title, and he didn't really let me down this week. I think um, I was watching him Sunday evening. He got within two or three, and then Adam Hadwin just went crazy and. Was through, he was up four, was it three or four shots after the 11th? He was clear three, I think. Mm. And I actually then turned the TV off and said to myself, I'm going to get my head down. 
Uh, and then when I woke up in the morning and saw that Adam Long had won, I was in a deep shock. 600 to 1 with Bet365, Adam Long. Yeah, he was, yeah. And he was 1,000 on the exchange, wasn't he? It's, um... and, yeah, absolutely. And you can't even say that, you know, he came from off the pace in a different group. He was grouped with Hadwin and Mickelson in the last group. So, so, so to shoot 7 under, 65, whilst Hadwin... Uh, when you know he he he, did, he basically I think Hadwin parred the f- last seven holes, and Phil started banging it in the water and whatever. That was an impressive performance from Adam Long. Yeah. And at six hundred to one, if anyone had him, I mean that's the call of the century. Well, looking at his recent form, um, it was just a sea of miscuts, wasn't it? And I think there was one um, cut made where he was what was he tied sixty third, sixty third, which. Uh, you know, as, as as good as a miscut in that respect. Um, he just you you know unless you were his gran or something, you just wouldn't have put him up, would you? you where where was the money going to come his from gran. pre-event? It just yeah. He must have been on the Lemsip Maxes, I think. Adam Long last Sunday, <laughs> he shot sixty across the weekend. He shot sixty three, sixty five. He opened with an opening sixty three, and he shot seventy one in round two. Now a seventy one or something along those lines. At that tournament, usually just one bad round means you're off the. You're not going to yeah. feature. Yeah. But to shoot 63, 63, 65 across the other three rounds to win by one, 26 under. Yeah. Um, I had Abraham Answer, who was in a nice spot, top mm. ten after two rounds. He shot 17 under across two and a half rounds, so 45 holes. Yeah. He then shot one. Uh, Two over across the other uh, twenty-seven holes, and that cost him a place. That's that kind of tournament. Yeah, you've got, you've got to be relentless, haven't you? You've, you've got to be relentless for th- uh, you know pretty much. Well, I was going to say for four whole rounds, but Adam Long proves that wrong. But you've got to be relentless, oh. really. Have I mean, look at what Hadwin: sixty-five, sixty-six, sixty-five, sixty-seven. Yeah, a, seven, a seventy-two or seventy-three in one of your rounds, you're not going to be placing. No, but well done to but Adam yeah. Long. That's uh, yeah. yeah, well done to Adam Long. He's got himself a two. Yeah, it, well, he effectively works out almost as a two and three quarter year PGA Tour exemption. Yeah, yeah. No doubt, get some nice. uh, access to some decent events. He'll be at Capalua uh, next year, won't he? So uh, big, he's off to the Masters. Big turning point for him in his career. Massive. Yeah. Off to Augusta. So <laughs> you can't argue with that, can you? No, beautiful. Right, Farmers Insurance Open. Let's start with this. Um, a lot of people seem to. It's true, you know. A lot of people think that this is actually the first real event of the of the golfing calendar. Mm. Um, full field played a, clearly at the the very classical, the the major hosting Torrey Pines in San Diego, La Jolla, San Diego. It's a decent tournament, clearly, um, and the field this year is typically strong. I mean, we're used to strong fields here. Um, I'll just read the betting market as it stands here. We're recording this uh, 10 o'clock Monday morning. Uh, Tuesday morning, yeah. Tuesday morning, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's all your illness, all of the rubbish that's been going on with Torrey Pies. Um, it's all been delayed this week, the podcast. John Rahm, Justin Rose, Jason Day, Rory McElroy, Tiger Woods, Mark Leishman, Xander Schofley, Finau, Fowler. I mean, Fowler's 25 to 1. I don't think I can remember Fowler at 25 to 1. Cantlay, Howell, Woodland, Cameron Champ, Cameron Smith, Patrick Reed, and then I'll get to Jordan Spieth 
Yeah. 40 to 1 available at, with Jordan Spieth. Now, when we're, yeah, it's been a long time. I can't it? remember the last time Jordan Spieth was, four, uh, was 40 to 1. Mm. Um, we, I was complaining at the Sony Open his price wasn't really relevant or relative to the way that he'd been playing. Uh, and then he's come here, which is a golf course he doesn't tend to play. Um, and he's now a 33 to 1, uh, 40 to 1 shot with bet 365. Yeah, yeah, I remember, was it three, maybe three years ago, where he came to this event as a favourite? You know, it's a, you know, justifiably favourite to win the event as well. Kind of 7 to 1 ish. I mean, he's longer than Charles Howe. Mm. <laughs> Strange old times. Mm. Um, it just shows you how you know the way that golf um, moves in mysterious ways with form and uh, just you know with player slumps. And players do go through slumps, don't they? They do, yeah, absolutely. That's that's the fact of the matter. Um, if we're looking, I'm just gonna, I'll take you through the top five of this week's published predictor model on uh, on the on the um, the uh, farmers insurance this week. Jordan Spieth is fifth. Uh, then Ryan Palmer at four. And Palmer's a good price this week. Justin Rose, three. Tony Finau, two. Jason Day, the defending champion and two-time winner at Torrey Pines. He is in the uh, number one position on this week's golf betting system, PGA Tour predictor model. That's including the variables that I have placed that are important in my mind. Clearly, you can come to golfbettingsystem.co.uk and you can play with our predictor completely free of charge, both on the PGA Tour and Paul's done exactly the same. He does it every week as well on the European Tour. There are links in the description box through to our predictors. Other players that are featuring, Fowler at six, Snedeker, who again is another two-time winner around here at seven, Danny Lee at eight, John Rahm, another winner here at nine, and Mark Leishman, who's got a couple of runner-ups around here. Uh, They're the top ten. The tournament itself is played on two golf courses. Um, it's not like last week, though. We, we, we effectively um, we get the South Course, which is the famous, very tough golf course. It ranked eighth most difficult in the uh, on the PGA Tour last year, and then you have the North Course, which is considerably easier. It features bent grass greens, where the South Course features Poana greens. It's uh, it's a loaded it's a loaded tournament, and as you expect here, you do tend to get some very good winners. Jason Day won here at twenty two to one last year. John Rahm won his first ever PGA Tour um, t- title, first pro title, at fifty five to one here in twenty seventeen. Schnedeker, who was in great form at the time, won here in twenty sixteen at eighteen to one. Jason Day won his first title here in twenty fifteen at fourteen to one. You have to go back to 2014 for a complete and utter shock, which was your old mucker, Paul, Scott Stallings yeah. at 250 to 1. I remember it well. Year. remember it well. If I remember it correctly, Gary Woodland was leading that for a hell of a long time, and then Stallings came through and they, it went into a playoff, potentially. Yeah, it did. I'm who, trying to remember. Was he, who, JB Holmes was in there as well, yeah. something like that. Yeah, I remember him, uh, I remember him getting, getting over the line eventually. But yes, yeah, shocks do happen, but um, there's a lot of repeat winners at this event as well, isn't there? Just going from what you've just said there with the likes of Day and Snedeker and, and clearly Woods as well. And it's clearly quite a specialised event um, and a, a, 
course that attracts a certain type of player or certain types of players anyway. I've got it wrong actually. Standings one by one from KJ, Choi, Graham, Dillette, Jason Day and Pat Perez with Mark Leishman as well in there. Mm. Um, what do we want to know? Well, it's Poana Greens. We know that a lot of guys struggle on Poana. If you're looking for a direct coloration, uh, co- uh, correlation, rather, uh, Pebble Beach, they, that features very similar Poana Greens. Um, a lot of the golf courses around New York, they feature Poana although sometimes you get a mix of bent grass in there. These are pure uh, uh, pure poa, which um, are pretty gnarly. Um, a lot of players do not get on with poana at all. Um, if you want to, I mean, if you want to look at players that do play well on poana over the last five years, go to our predictor model, go to the poana variable on the left-hand side, get a ranking there, and that will rank those that have performed best on that putting surface over the last five years. So that's a useful tool. Yeah, as you say, a lot of, if you're looking at people who played well at Pebble, that's often, a, a in terms of putting, that's a, a fair correlation as well, isn't it? And Absolutely. Uh, it was the other, uh, Beth Page, I think you said, was another one that's uh, worth looking at. 2016, yeah, the... Uh, the Barclays tournament that year played at Beth Page. I actually, I was actually writing about Beth Page uh, last week, as you know, because they're mm. hosting hosting the PGA Championship there. Back then, it was class classified as pure Anna, pure Poana greens. Um, now, allegedly, they've put some bent grass in a lot of new putting surfaces there, so they're they're going to be a mix. But yes, that again is another real correlating cause. Mm. Um, if you're looking at that, there are others as well. I mean, this is the the difficulty with this. Um, as you know, you get a lot of bent grass greens that then get poana within them. So you get percentages where some are more bent than poana, others are yep. more poa than bent. You can't really pure, truly tell. But yes, Pebble Beach, Torrey Pines and um, Beth Page are very good links for, for poa putters. It's just going to be your typical uh, Farmers Insurance Open, I think, this year. The forecast is really calm. Um, not a lot of breeze, 22 degrees, sun every um, every day. Um, but it's just a, the south course is just a very, very tough golf course. Mm. At the end of the day, it's a US Open golf course, and they don't set this up easy. They, re, they put a lot of um, additional um, seed in for the rough a few years ago. So where you used to get a situation where anything up to 18 under was winning it for a few years since they put they toughened up the rough all of a sudden we're now looking at winning scores nine under nine under six under nine under john Rahm won a relatively soft and calm renewal in 2017 at 13 under i think that's where they're going to kind of be this i reckon anything double digits 11 12 under this week and you're not going to be far from the mark because they've had some rain over the weekend I think there's going to be cut in the ground, 30 mils from, say, Friday through to Sunday. So there's going to be cuts in the fairways and receptive greens, but there's no rain forecast for the week. So I think mm. Pro-Am, first round, second round, yeah, some cut. It's going to get firmer and faster as we get going. As we move yeah, it's not going, to be, not going to be particularly windy either, is it? That, cause that, was it the year that uh, Snedeker won his second um, title when it was oh, brutal? Yes. 2016. Yeah, brutal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Howling 45, 50 miles an hour, mm. and they had to they had to pull him off. But he shot three under, didn't he? Which That's was right, like yeah. one of the rounds of the rounds of professional golf ever. Yeah, yeah. G- given it, it was yeah, amazing. That was probably ten shots better than the field that that day, wasn't it? Um, 
Oh, incredible. We, we spread over a couple of days, I think, because it was that bad. But, uh, but yes. But as you said, a lot of repeat winners, a lot of repeat places, it's that kind of golf course. For me, it suits players that are clearly uh, classical course positive. It favours players that need an all-round game. You know, you can't be a pure ball striker then is at, that's absolutely abysmal in terms of your um, scrambling around here because even the best ball strikers are only hitting 72, 74% uh, of greens in regulation. Mm. So you've got to be able to scramble a little bit and you've got to be relatively comfortable on these pure Poana greens. Yeah. Because you, you, you see a lot of numbers here where people have been absolutely stroking it, T to green, and then their strokes gain numbers on the greens are absolutely abysmal. Um, so people that have got a little bit of a track record, this is what I'm looking for. I mean, this is, this is what we've got in the uh, preview. Now, I'll go into a little bit of tech, uh, the detail in terms of the preview in a short while, but... If you look at winners here, going back to Bubba Watson, the year before he won this, he was third at Copperhead, second at Whistling Straits at the PGA Championship. Rewind to Jason Day last year, fifth at Pebble Beach, ninth at Quail Hollow at the PGA Championship. He was sixth at Glen Oaks in the Northern Trust. Again, if you can get any form around those Big Apple golf courses, Glen Oaks, uh, the likes of Ridgewood, the likes of Plainfield, these kind of uh, Big Apple metropolitan golf courses, they, they all feature Poana in some form or yep. another yep. in terms of the greens. John Rahm, he'd finished third at Congressional, which, as we know, is a US Open host golf course, second at Glen Abbey, a real classical golf course. And then the year after that, he won this. So I'm looking for players that have got some form of record at some technical or classical golf courses the year before they win here. Mm. Another thing I've noticed, you look at Jason Day last year. He hadn't won on the PGA Tour for 20 months. John Rahm had never won a professional golf tournament. Brant Schnedeker was 11 months. Uh, he hadn't won for 11 months when he won this in 2016. And amazingly enough, that was the 2015 Pebble Beach uh, tournament he won. Jason Day hadn't won for 11 months before he won here in 2015. So Scott Stallings was 18 months, and even Tiger Woods, going back to Tiger Woods in 2013, the last time he won here at 15-2, he hadn't won a golf tournament, even though we know that Tiger tends to not play much golf in the winter mm. in the winter at all. He hadn't won for six months prior to winning this. Yeah. So, I mean, people quite rightly will be all over Xander Chauvelet this week, yeah. but that doesn't stack up. The fact that you win the, the HSBC champions, you win the Century Tournament of champions, you don't tend to then come here and win this as well. No, it's not that red-hot winning form, is it, that uh, tends to define the winner here. It's uh, something a little more under the, uh, under the radar. Opaque. Mm. Yeah, I think so. The other thing, and this has delayed the preview this week. I know you've been very kind, Paul. You've been very flexible this week. The preview is up. We're recording this uh, mid-morning on Tuesday. However, I have only tipped one player so far. That is on the basis of the following. If you go back through 2011 through 2018 and you look at the north-south course split, um, I'm talking players that have finished first, second or third here. Nine of 28 have played the North first and the South second. 
and then 19 of 28 have played the south course, more difficult course first, and the north course second. So you actually work that as a percentage. It's 32% north-south, 68% south-north. Now, I think a lot of that will be to do with the fact that they put the better players on that south-north rotor. Yeah. But I can remember a couple of years ago here, Justin Rose was playing here, and he led after day one playing the north course. This was the year Ram won in 2017. He shot something very low. I think it was eight under, and everyone's going, oh, J- Justin Rose has won. Yeah. Um, and in the end, he got pipped. Yeah. And he played that north-south rotor. So you will get some very elite players playing north-south who you are likely to want to back. But actually, statistically, the, the winner since 2012 here... Let me just check that to make sure that's right. No, it's actually through, yeah, 2011 through 2018, they've all played north-south as a split. That's right. So that's meant that I'm not going to publish my full tips until this evening when we know the actual draw. The draw comes out 3 p.m. Eastern over in the States, which is unfortunately 8 p.m. over here. So probably about nine o'clock, we'll get the full preview out there, including all of my tips. The preview's there to read beforehand. And it does include my headline tip. I, I was amazed that the PGA Tour have done this, especially in these days where they're starting to open up to betting in the States and whatever. But effectively, they announced yesterday, uh, late yesterday over here in the UK, that their feature groups are all playing the north-south rotor. Mm. And um, who are in those groups? One being Tiger Woods, Tony Finau, and Xander Schauffele. So they're going to be playing north-south. There's 12 players that they've listed. I think Jordan Spieth's another, Ricky Fowler's another. Um, they're listed as playing north-south. But you have to now wait until uh, 24 hours later for the full uh, draw to be announced. I think that's not quite right I don't know what you think I remember it was, it was when it was similar last year and because we, we, we had the same dilemma last year and clearly the trends continued for another 12 months and uh, yeah um, you know if, if it was just the winners you could almost argue you know it's you know potentially it's it's more just a statistical anomaly but um, given that it covers the you know not just the first place second and third and as you said you know nearly 70% of all of those have played the uh, the favourable split um, over the last uh, eight years. Um, yeah, last last year, Paul Palmer, he was in the playoff, hundred and fifty to one. He played south, he played north south, as did Alex Noren. So all of the three players that got to the playoff at all. So this is what I'm saying as well. It isn't just the even the, like the mid, the you know the, the the very strong pros like Orion Palmer or Alex Noren who was on course debut. It it works going down the betting as well. Yeah. It isn't just the elite players. It it just seems to be an advantage. Yeah, so we talk, so See, just, I reckon it's something to do with if you shout a reasonable round on that tough south course on the Thursday, it frees you up for the Friday. And yeah. you're a long way down the leaderboard. You can be in 90th spot, but you haven't had your crack at the north course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just to clarify, because it could get a bit confusing for, uh, for listeners. It, the south course, the tougher course, is the one that has statistically been the one that um, has been more favourable to play on the Thursday. So south, then yeah. north, then two rounds of the south after that. 
Um, and yeah. uh, as you said, um, Finnell Woods um, are on the south on Thursday, aren't they? Jason Day last year, Paul, was 113th after day one. Mm. John Rahm the year before that was 77th. Brant Schnedeker was 90th. Jason Day in 20 was 95th. Yeah. This is the whole point. Yeah. yeah so, if, yes. If you're looking tough at Tough course uh, first, yeah. easier course on the Friday. That's the way it tends to work. Do you think, in terms of the event in its entirety, it makes sense to have two so you know two very different tracks in terms of their difficulty? Because it does it kind of can massively skew the event, skew the outcome of the event, can't it? Oh, it does, undoubtedly. And it also, it opens it up to weather, doesn't it? Yeah. If you're if you're playing the easier course in a really terrible weather day and it's howling 35, 40 mile an hour, your chances are pretty much gone, aren't they? Yeah. Against uh, the you know the other guys that are playing that course in twenty three degrees, a five mile an hour breeze, and a soft golf course, mm. you've got no chance, have you? No, no, it's uh, yeah. I know I can understand what I do, and I guess the. Uh, you know, there's not a great deal of um, sunlight this time of year, and they they try and split it up so they can get the, the longer rounds done on a Thursday and Friday, and then clearly there's yep. a, there's only half of the uh, half of the field there for the remainder of the uh, and to keep the field large to try and get as many of the lower rank and file in there as well. I mean, you can see the reasons they do it. Yep. The one player I have already uh, put in the preview that I'm going with it isn't. No, it's not the most creative of touches. But I just have to go with Tony Fee now. Um, managed to grab 20 to 1. Eight places each way with Paddy Power this week. Fifth the odds. Um, he's finished uh, fourth and sixth here in the past. I just like his progression, Fee, now. Um, HSBC champions. Just lost in that playoff to Xander Schofley. Didn't do a lot wrong, did he, Fee, now? No. On the, on the Sunday. Didn't do a lot wrong at the um, Tigers Hero World Challenge a few uh, at the start of December, where it was another head-to-head with John Rahm, and uh, Rahm he shot sixty-nine, Rahm shot sixty-five or something, and he finished second again. I don't think Finau's doing a lot wrong. He just seems to run into a better mm. player um, <laughs> more often than he doesn't. Yeah. At some point, he's going to get that win. And you actually look at him last year, top tens. At Augusta, top tens at Shinnecott. Uh, he actually went out in the final group, wasn't he, with Daniel Berger at the US Open? Yeah. Um, he also placed um, very nicely at the Open Championship. He's a he's a proper major performer. He's a Ryder Cupper now. Um, I don't overly think that him playing with Tigers is going to be any big deal. And if he does have a relatively poor round on the uh, Thursday on the South Course. Hey ho! It doesn't really matter because if he shoots a really low one on a north course, that's what we're actually looking for. Yeah, he can make it back. So, absolutely, it isn't one of these golf courses like or tournaments like we saw last week, where if you're not in the top three after round one, you might as well pack your bags. Mm. So I, I just I cannot move away from Tony Finau. He, he's the pretty much the perfect kind of golf golfer for this test. He's long. He hits the ball very, very high, which is what we're looking for. He can scramble. He's a proper classical golf course, pl- um, you know, top-notch player. He's an elite player at the end of the day. Yep. Um, he just needs to win. <laughs> yeah. It will come sooner rather than later, won't it? 
He putts well here as well. He putts well on these Poana greens, which kind of makes sense because he actually grew up in Utah. He, he's a he's a um, he's a West Coast player, Tony Fee now. So he's he's used to playing on on Poana greens. Um, I just think he's got a great great chance this week, and I just couldn't discount him. He was twentieth for strokes game putting last year, so that's more than. Um, equitable, it's more than what we're looking for mm. at this particular um, tournament um, others I fancy at bigger prices but again I, I can't say you know if they're going to be included I think Gary Woodland could have another big week this week, we know that he played out of his skin at the Century Tournament of Champions again he just found Xander Schofle in the kind of form that rarely occurs um, he did nothing wrong Woodland um, he went off at fourteen to one then at the Sony Open, and as you said in the podcast, he's likely to um, have been kicked in the um, in the <laughs> in a private part, or you know, a real punch to the solar plexus, losing that century of tournaments. Mm. And yes, he didn't do a lot at the Sony Open. He ma he made the field effectively, made the cut, but then didn't get through to the Sunday. So not a total disaster. But I think Woodland again. You look at his numbers. You look how comfortable he is on Poana. Um, you look how well he plays out in the West Coast. Hits the ball a long way. Hits that three wood very, very straight as well. I'm looking for players that hit it long and hit it high. And Woodland and um, Finau really do fit the mould for me. Players at longer prices. I genuinely think that someone like a Patrick Rogers could pop up. He's yep. been second here in the past. We know that he was second last time that they played by, uh, they played the RSM Classic at the end of last year on Sea Island. Um, I could see someone like him popping up because again, long, uh, very high ball flight. Uh, Quail Hollow isn't a bad uh, link into here either, and he's had a second place or a third place finish there at Quail Hollow. So I think. He's going to be well back this week, but I think he'll go potentially well, Patrick Rogers. Another one that's on my radar, I don't know about you, is Keith Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. yeah a very, good. very talented tee to green player. A very long, very high ball flight. He was right in the mix at the Sony a few weeks ago and then fell away in the final round. Mm -hmm. So I think Keith Mitchell's got big chances as well. There's a lot of juicy prices here. I mean, I've seen Danny Willett 150 to 1. You'd want it, wanted to have seen more, a little, little bit more. Uh, Jimmy Walker, Bo, Ho Bo Husler, he's he's had a very good amateur or youth pedigree around here. Harris English, I know, is going to be popular this week. He, he 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 drove the ball very well on his last outing. Harris English, he loves the golf course, and that that kind of tells you where you're at here. Drivers of the golf ball that can hit it a long way, it's a big advantage around here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah. now I know that you've spotted a, a major champion. Who's seen it, done it, won WGCs, done the lot, mm. and you've seen him at triple digits, and you couldn't resist. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I take take everything you're saying about the draw, but um, I, given that, uh, I, I think he's on the right side, Paul. I think oh, the, the guys that? that they metered, yeah, he, I, he was mentioned last night. I think he's playing south, uh, north. Cool. Well, even uh, even more of a bonus then. Yeah, I. Yeah. You know, I, I looked at uh, looked at Adam Scott and looked at his price of a hundred to one, and I thought, well, I just just have to pull the trigger and I pulled that nice and early. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at his history here, um, 
this is the this is his actual um, debut for this event itself. But he has played on the track. He finished twenty sixth at the um, the U.S. Open back in two thousand and eight, um, and for that week he was tenth for total driving, fifth for ball striking, tenth um, for putting as well. Um, yeah. One point six nine putts per greens regulation. So for Scott, that's actually pretty good. And you know, you go back to the back end of last year, he was. He was playing some decent enough stuff. Third at the USPGA, fifth at the Northern Trust, uh, tenth at the CJ Cup, and he down tools. He didn't play any of the Aussie events at the back end of the year. Just wanted to take some time for himself, take some time with the family, and kind of refocus his mind. I think as to what his you know his life goals were and his uh, his personal goals were. Didn't touch a club for six weeks apparently, and uh, no. certainly didn't go near a course for a while. Um, came back out. Played the Sony Open, missed the cut, and you know you could look at that and say, "Well, okay, he's nowhere nowhere near it." But um, I think it's going to be focused this year's President's Cup year. is obviously always personally massively focused President's Cup year, and it's interesting mm-hmm. listening to him in um, an interview because he was talking about how he started his year back in two thousand and sixteen, and he came to came to the Sony, shook the rust off, finished fifty sixth, so nothing of any consequence really. Um, yeah, and he sure. said, he said, what what happened then is that event, those you know, th- those few rounds that he had at the Sony, just told him what he needed to know about where he needed to focus his game and his where he needed to focus his efforts over the forthcoming weeks. Um, and he came out after that. He finished second, first, first in his next three starts. He had a fantastic. Yeah, game. that's right. Second at Riviera. I remember it. Bubba Watson yep. won it. Yeah. And then he he then went on that streak, didn't he? Won the Honda, won the WGC. Won the WGC, that's right, yeah. At Doral, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, and he's, I think, mentally, the fact that he missed the cut at Sony will have no consequence whatsoever. It it will just be in that kind of, um, you know, that, that dip, that toe in the water to say, well, where's where's my game? What do I need to focus on? Mm. Um, and uh, I think, you know, in terms of his game, I think it, it fits very nicely to, to, to this track. So, um you know, hundreds of one. I was willing to to pay to find out if he's uh, going to follow a similar path to to that of twenty sixteen. But as you say, there's a lot of players this week who, you know, are in that three digit bracket. You know, all fueled by the fact that you've got so many top players at the top end of the market in that kind of ten, fourteen, sixteen to one bracket, and they're, they're sapping so much of this market. Mm. They don't always fire the big names here, though. No, not you just look at the people that play, the people that win, the people that place. Mm. I mean, Jason Day last year, you go, oh yeah, Jason Day won, but he was twenty-two to one. So in the betting, he wouldn't have been in the top five or six. He'd have been that kind of seventh to ninth spot. Yeah, yeah. People that are hungry for a win and in decent enough nick, you know. That's, I think that's where you're at. Yeah. Can definitely see um, someone like Adam Scott because he's got some decent record around. Um, Brown the Big Apple, in terms of being able yeah, to play right. on the greens. Yeah, so I, I thought that was. Uh, a in, we're talking President's Cup again, yeah. You look at last week, Louis Oosthuizen right in the mix, and Adam Hadwin, the Canadian. Yep. Oh, it's a big cat. He, talk, he talked a lot about it in the interview that I saw. You know, it being a big, big focus for him, um, and certainly for a big focus for him this year. And uh, you know, you'd expect, you know, how many more attempts has he got over the next few years? You know, there's a, there's a younger cream of golfers coming through who are going to start sapping all of those places up and you know he knows that his, his time's limited in terms of qualifying for that team so while his game's still good you know he focused a lot on his um, his fitness and his uh, 
his personal strength and uh, you know as opposed to just focusing on his game over that close period over the winter and uh, we'll see how it uh, see how it pans out over the first few weeks and months of this year. With that, yeah, I could see someone like a Griot going well this week as well for the Argentine. Mm. He's got a very good game for this. And if you that Beth Page tournament we talked about with Patrick Reed winning and where Fowler should have won but didn't, yep. Griot finished second in that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting stuff. Right, OK. Um, as I said, my uh, full selections will be out uh, later Tuesday evening this week. But mm. everything else is out there. The, in fact, the preview's already out there. It's just at the tips. Right, let's move on to the Dubai Desert Classic. Another good tournament on the uh, European Tour, Paul. Again, another decent enough field. Um, I know that you got all of your stuff out there yesterday, despite the flu. You fought your way through it. You got it out there. So take the listeners through the uh, Dubai Desert Classic, Paul. Mm, yeah, yeah, as Steve said, the, the preview went out last night. So um, I'll, when I get onto the tips, I'll tell you what I picked and the prices but a few of them have shifted slightly since then and um, so we're into the second week of the um the middle east swing this week and um, so we had abu dhabi last week saudi international next week which is a new event and um, actually it's a cracking field next week um they've been throwing some mega moolah at that haven't they yeah they've um, wow. they, they've certainly supported it with some uh, appearance fees it would seem so yeah, oh dear. yeah next week you've got the likes of rose kepka dustin johnson bryson patrick reed sergio stenson i mean these guys you know they're, they're all going to attract a a hefty fee, I think, for um, for for turning up. Well, Sergio, he doesn't mind an appearance fee, does he? No, nah, I don't think so. And uh, clearly, those guys at the top end of the market are going to. Uh, well, it's it's going to be a fascinating betting market next week, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. what value are you going to get um, a little bit further down that field? It's going to oh, be absolutely. It's going to be amazing. You're licking your chops. Yes, I'll, uh, I'll, <laughs> obviously, it's going to be relatively limited as to the uh, research that you're going to be able to do, but. Um, but even so, I'm sure there'll be some nuggets of uh, opportunity and value a little bit further down the field next week. But um, you know, with the, with the players of those kind of names at the top end of the market, you'd expect a few of those guys to be um, right in the mix as well. So, looking forward to that a lot. But yeah, onto this week then. So, so not quite as lofty in terms of the um, in, in terms of the appearance or the attendance this week. Um, Bryson leads the field at ten to one. Tommy Fleetwood fourteens. Louis Oosthuizen fourteen to one. Sergio is here this week as well, as is Stenson. They're fourteen and sixteen to one respectively, and uh, twenty-two to one bar those five at the top of the market. But yeah, a decent, decent enough field. Clearly, of the three events now, it's kind of taken um, third place because uh, Abu Dhabi was the uh, was the Rolex Series, and so clearly there's um, a lot of Money being thrown at next week as well, but it should be a good one anyway. It should be good. Um, if, you, if you were backing one of those five heads in the market, yes, who would it be? My knee jerk reaction was Sergio. Um, he's won here before, he likes this track, um, it suits his game down to the ground. He was in some great form at the back end of last year. Um, shook off the rust in Singapore last week. Um, I think I, I'm not going to hand. I think he finished eighth or twelfth in that kind of bracket. It was just outside the places. Um, but he struck the ball well from what I saw in terms of his stats. So um, you know you could argue that that's a nice little warm up for this week. He'd be the one that I would pick out of those five 
Um, and he's at 14 to 1, he's almost at that kind of backable each way um, place. But, yeah, yeah. yeah, again, you know, you, you could be, you know, doing a, doing a lot of work, putting a lot of money on just to get a, you know, a quarter or a fifth of 14 to 1 back, which um, isn't going to go close to covering your week if you've got a couple of uh, longer prices or mid prices on your on your portfolio as well so so now i've left those five alone but um but yeah if i was pushed i would probably go down the sergio route it was one of those five caught your eye then steve no 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 i just i was taking a view i can see that bryson's being back but yeah, um, is, yeah. i don't think tommy's 100 percent. no he's not and look uh, uh, you know it's odds compilers know that he's so popular he's a jordan spieth like you know, you're not going to get decent odds on Tommy Fleetwood this year if he continues not to be as prolific as he was last year yeah. or the year before that. They're, they're very um, reluctant to give you a realistic price on Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I don't think he's a 14 to 1 chance this week. No. Um, he, he, he's, he's going through this um, idea or pro, work in progress with new clubs. Um, you know, I think Garcia of that. I mean Henrik Stenson. You tipped him up last week, I know, yeah. but he hit. He did his usual thing: loads of fairways, loads of greens, and couldn't putt. Yeah. Um, so you, you'd expect a better week from Henrik this week. But I, of those, you, you'd, I'd probably take either Louis or Sergio. But yeah, I'd be interested to see how Louis. I, I'm not sure that someone finishing second or third at uh, Abu Dhabi and then winning this that doesn't tend to happen. Looking at your piece, no, not particularly. Um, and you know. That was a great opportunity for Louis, and um, you know, he is the kind of player, I guess, who could could turn around and uh, he just scrubs that one bad round out, and uh, he goes and wins this tournament. But um, yeah, Stenson, who's a real letdown last week, I, it ten, tends to have that effect whenever I put my money on him. So perhaps uh, I'd, if I leave him alone, which I have left him alone this week, probably uh, probably fare far better. But uh, but yeah, yeah, so push comes to shove, I'd, I'd be going to Sergio at the top end of the market, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so onto the track then, Emirates Golf Club and Dubai, the Majlis course. It's not especially long for a, a desert track, 7,328-yard uh, par 72. It's slightly different to a typical um, track out in the desert as well. Cause it's, it's, it's got far more kind of classical uh, overtones with it, really. it's you know There's, there's more dog legs in it. It's, it. It takes a little bit more thought to navigate your way around the track than just um you know just one of these big wide open um desert tracks that you often find and i think that's reflected really in the winners because you've got a fair mix of winners if you go back um for, through the years so starting at uh, 2010 we had uh, miguel angel jimenez he uh, he won at 11 under alvo quiros the week the year after so there's you know that's chalk and cheese in itself you know two spaniards but uh, jimenez and quiros at the you know, polar opposite in terms of the style of their game. Won an identical score, so both of them 11, 11 under. Uh, Rafa Cabrera Bello in 2012. Stevie Gallagher won back to back in 13 and 14 uh, before McElroy won in 15, Willett in 16. Sergio, as I just said, he won in 17. And Hao Tong Lee in 2018 last year with the biggest of those uh, winning totals, 23 under. I mean, for me, you know, you listen to those names, there's some longer hitters, some shorter hitters. Um, a lot of them, you know, when they're playing well, greens and regulation tends to be one of the, the key parts of their game. Um, and generally, they've hit a lot of greens and they've had a decent week on the putting greens as well. 
Bermuda, Tiff Eagle Greens here, 12, 12 and a half stint, that kind of that kind of bracket. So decent greens, and uh, if you can find the putting surfaces in regulation, give yourself a chance to make some of those putts. Um, each of those winners we talked through there had a top 10 in the last eight um, appearances globally, so there's a bit of form. Um, and until you look at the last two, so if you if you can disregard Hal Tong Lee and Sergio, going back, the previous seven winners all had finished top 20 in this event the year immediately prior to it. So for a period of time, it was pretty straightforward to, to narrow down the shortlist. You just picked the top 20 from the previous year and you had a ready-made shortlist there and the winner was going to fall out of that. Um, that's broken since Sergio and Hal Tong Lee. And Lee had only played it once before, finished 30 ninth I want to say 37 39 that kind of that kind of position uh, before winning last year but um, he 39th, had, yeah. yeah he had been playing some um he had been playing some decent stuff um prior to that so you know there was some decent enough form um I think it how the the, the uh, conditions here can really have an impact on it and if you look at the winning scores 11 under for Jimenez and Kiros 23 under for Hao Tong Lee, 22 under for one of Stevie Gallagher's wins and for Rory's wins. So when it's windy, um, it turns into more of a shot maker's track. Um, in general, um, it becomes a, a, a tougher uh, test. It becomes um, almost links-like in some ways. You've got a lot of linksy um, and open championship winners who've, who've done well um, and won this track, uh, won this event over the years as well. So mm. um, in a windy year you could kind of look down that route but this year it's going to be pretty pretty um calm it's you know in the afternoons and you tend to get the wind up a little bit in the afternoons here um it's going to be up to about eight ten miles an hour so you know it's going to be barely noticeable in terms of in terms of wind so i'm expecting it to be a low scoring year i'm not expecting it to really go down this linksy angle um I'm expecting people with a hot putter to end up um, finding their way towards the top of the leaderboard. But it's for me, you've still got to hit greens. best way to hit greens is to find the fairway. Um, and uh, if, you, if you've got a, you know, a bit, of, bit of past history of performing well on these Bermuda greens, which are dotted around the uh, schedule and various, uh, and various events, then um, that's all the better as well. So if you throw it all into the pot, and uh, kind of try to find out where that's going to lead you. Um, you already talked about the top five. My first um, headline pick this week is Matt Fitzpatrick, who was 25, in fact, still is available at 25 to 1 right now. Um, it did a decent enough year for Matt last year in 2018, third in Abu Dhabi, um, which again immediately preceded this. And he was well fancied to, to go well here last year and naturally missed the cut. Um, but uh, historically he's done well here he's finished fifth back in uh, 2017 but going back to last year third in Abu Dhabi eighth at Wentworth seventh the, the maiden Denmark one one at Crans Soussier um, where he retained his title in Crans um, and finished the year off with a second in Hong Kong which was uh, a nice way to uh, to finish his year uh, came over here after Christmas, between over oh, after after New Year to to get some practice. So he was practicing on this track here at the Emirates, um, before flying off to Singapore last week, where he finished fourth, um, and played some lovely stuff. Actually, his game looked good in terms of statistics. Looked good from tee to green. His greens in regulation was strong. It hit over eighty percent of greens in regulation, um, and his putter was good. In fact, if you go back to 
um, back in the last year, there's a lot of very good putting performances. And I think you can see that. I, I remember a time when I'd have considered Matt Fitzpatrick as a tee to green exponent first and foremost. And, you know, his putting was almost incidental, but he's added that as a real strength to his game. Um, he is a strong putter now, and he's when he's playing good golf, he's strong from tee to green. Um, and you marry those together on any track, and, uh, you know, you've got a player who can win um, pretty much any golf tournament. As we've seen, you know, he's won a variety of different um, events on a variety of different tracks so far. Um, one of them was at the Earth Course, so he's clearly got some form in Dubai itself. And for me, that track uh, over at the Earth Course is far too long for him, but clearly he's still managed to, to win um, that at the back end of 2016, I think that was. Um, he's won over in Sweden, he's won at Crans-Roussier, he's won at Woburn, you know, these, these are four different styles of tracks. Um, and there's no reason really to suggest that he can't win on any style of track when he's when his tee to green game and his putting is um is is on on point. So, so yeah, I was, I was impressed with how he started last week for the season or for the year, and um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him carry that through, um, and to have a decent enough week here this week. So that's Matt Fitz at the top. Um, we've gone two points each way on Matt. Um, the second player I picked and. I, for those who watched any of the golf in Abu Dhabi, Ian Poulter stuck out as a player who was playing and putting really well. I know he made a late treble, and I think his chance had gone by that point. Um, but um, he, during the course of the week, some of the mid-range putts he was making and making with confidence, you know, he looked really happy with the way he was putting. Um, was was good to see. Um, it's been a it's been a busy start to the year, and we touched on him last week in the podcast, um, because we said you know he's come straight from Kapalua, played the Sony Open, was flying straight from the Sony to Abu Dhabi, where it was a Wednesday start rather than a Thursday, and you got the time difference from the travel, um, you know, and all of these different complicating factors are going to make it difficult for Poulter to to be you know physically in the right and physically and mentally in the right kind of shape for for the event and so you know so it proved if you listen to him in in uh, an interview he was all over the place you know he did virtually no sleep no practice rounds his body clock was shot to pieces um yeah he was in the mix all the way through he finished sixth in the end and his putting putting was really good um so i think with a, a week's further um rest under his belt with with a little bit of um you know sleep a little bit of a little bit of um uh, you know rest and relaxation time for him to, uh, to to get his head around where he is in terms of in terms of this week in terms of getting his body back body clock back on track um i'm expecting a far stronger week out of him this week i must say um, the thing with Poulter is, he always, you look at his career, he always signposts his stroke play victory. Yep, yep. Even that Houston Open, the one he won in PGA Tour last year, he was fifth at the World Match Play the week before. Yeah, he was, yeah. And was, as you know, you go back in his, you go back in his history, uh, the HSBC won back in 2012 when you tipped him up that particular week, the WGC mm -hmm. victory. He was fourth the week before at the BMW Masters. And that kind of direct top six, top five finish the week before he wins the big uh, the tournament, that just goes back with Poulter the whole way. Yeah, it did, yeah. As you say... Yeah, I'm on him as well. I, I, tipped, I, I put some money on him yesterday as well. Poulter. 
Yeah, I think it's, you know, having dropped out of the top 200 in the world, Poulter, at the start of 2017, it's, it's big for him to get himself back in the mix. You know, clearly, you know, back end of last year, um, you know, won in Houston, but it was, um, you know, there, there was lots to like about his game as he progressed through the course of uh, course of last year. And if you look at his form here, the last two attempts, he's finished 15th and 6th here over the last two, two goes that he's had on this track here in Dubai. So, um with the putter working, he he was hit it. I mean, he led the field for uh, greens and regulation at uh, at Kapalua. So you know, there's lots of angles angles of his game coming together, and um, I think with that little bit of R and R, he should be in a far stronger, far stronger place this week. So yeah, thirty five to one for Pulse, and there's a little bit of that still available as well. Um, a point and a half each way. I went on him. Um, and then three longer shots to finish. Um, I've stuck with Jason Scrivener or back last week. Um, yeah, didn't do a lot wrong last he, week, did he? Nah, he didn't. He, was, he had. He started he was always off, there or thereabouts. Yeah, he started slowly. Um, in in decent conditions, he, he just he shot level par seventy two, sixty five in round two, um, and then seventy four took him out of it in round three. Sixty eight close, finished in sixteenth spot. Um, but uh, but generally this game's been good. He was t- he topped um, he topped driving actually stats last week. Tenth for greens and regulation, eighth for putting. So all round his game was really strong. Um, and you know we talked about his form at the back end of last year, last week. Uh, third at the Hong Kong Open, sixth at the Aussie PGA. So it, his jolt form in general is good. Um, you know I think there's uh, there's a lot to like about him. He was sixth here last year. So again ninety to one, which was the price. Got early doors yesterday. There's still a bit of eighties around for Jason Scrivener, and um, I wouldn't put people off taking that price, um, even though it's dipped a little. Um, second one, David Lipsky. Uh, he was a hundred to one. Again, he's he's around eighty to one now, but he was hundred to one early doors, and that felt like a bit of a disrespectful price to me. I must say, um, he was sixth last year. He won his second European Tour title in December um, in South Africa. 16th last week at Abu Dhabi, and given that he'd finished, oh, he'd, mi- he'd missed the cut on three previous attempts out of four at Abu Dhabi. That's a big personal best that performance last week, and he loves these kind of classical setups with Bermuda greens. There's, you know, dotted around his history, there's a number of um, events where he's performed well in this. Um, looking at Lipsky, one of the other events that he won was, um, well, the other event that he won was at uh, Cran Sorcier. Now, we obviously talked about Matt Fitz, who's got uh, a couple of wins there. But if we look at players who've won this event and the Amiga Masters, we've got Sergio Garcia, Danny Willett, Miguel Angel Jimenez, Ernie Els, Thomas Bjorn, all five of them have got both events on their CV. Mm. Now, clearly, in terms of Geography, they're poles apart. You know, ones in the Swiss Alps, ones in uh, ones in the desert. But they're both um, they've both got kind of classical sight lines to me. They're both, yeah, you know, yeah. they've, they've both got similarities in the the way that you might attack and play the golf course. Um, and you know, if there's something in that, if the fact that you've got five winners here in re- relatively recent years, they've all overlapped on both events, then mm. David Lipsky, yeah. who has a one there. You know, he won there yep. back in, I'm going to say, 2014, 2015, around then. Um, I don't think there's a reason to, to suggest that he won't do well and find, uh, you know, find some form here. And as I say, it's sixth last year. It's, you know, clearly there's uh, there's some liking for the track here. Um, yeah, I see that. 
my final pick, slightly longer, Scott Hend, 200 to 1. And again, he's got a bit of form at Crowns. He's been a runner-up a couple of times. I was going to say, he loves a bit of Crowns, yeah, does Scott. He doesn't, doesn't mind it at all. Um, he hits it a long way, so he's a bit different to some of these other players that I've put up. Um, but again, he's, he finds a way on these classical setups to find to, to, to hit a lot of greens and to, um, to perform well. He, he's a winner at uh, Fan Ling at the Hong Kong Open in the past. Mm. And that's another one that's, you know, you'd put, look at it and say, well, it's, it's, a, it's a classical style, shorter track. Um, but again, Bermuda Greens and, uh, you know, Hen's, Hen's done well there. He's, he's won there. He, he was ninth there before Christmas as well. You know, he clearly gets on with that kind of track. Um, has finished eighth here in 2016. But the last couple of years that he's played, you know, not, not so lofty finishes. But both times he's been right amongst the best putters on the show over the course of the week. Um, if you combine that with the fact that he can hit a lot of greens and generally he does. Um, he's been playing pretty well from with his irons over the last few weeks it's just the putter that's been letting him down but then he, he did something um over i think it was friday into saturday um at uh, abu dhabi and he he, he stuck his uh, he stuck his putter overnight in some coke which uh, which cleaned it up a, you know a tree and uh, whether it's just psychological or aesthetic or what i don't know but he's he's gone out the next day and he's had his best putting performance for some time and clearly kind of buoyed him in terms of um in terms of his game, and uh, I think he strikes me as that kind of character. You give him a little bit of confidence, send him out to a track that he knows he can uh, he can play well on, and uh, you know it, it, it could uh, it could all marry up together for a for a big big performance. And at two hundred to one, I thought, wow, why not give it a stab? See how he goes. But yeah, they're my five. So that's uh, Fitzpatrick, Poulter, Scrivener, Lipsky, and Scott Hen. So you said you were on Poulter. Anyone else that you'd uh, caught your eye, Steve, over over the last day or so? I think Poulter's the sort that could. Um, he does signpost, so I do. I do really like that tip. Um, I don't know if the likes of. I mean, Eddie Pepperell for me seems to be a, a big price for someone that was playing such good golf last year. Yeah, it was. I, I'm seeing him as big as ninety to one this morning. He didn't show a lot last week. I know that. He's um, been yeah, he's been struggling a little bit with some injuries here and there. But um, you know, with Eddie, when he finds his game, and he's he's got that level of new newfound confidence as well. I think. It's, yeah, winner you know. in Qatar last year. He, mm. he he can play desert golf, can't he? Yeah. But yeah, I do like. I do very much like the link that you uh, have mentioned multiple times between Cronshaw Sierra. And this Dubai Desert Classic event. Yeah, I mean, this one, one. A lot of people think about desert golf that it's you know it's, uh, that it's all about power and act, you know power off the tee and um, high GIR. This this place is slightly different though, isn't it? A lot mm. of dog legs, a lot shorter, and any kind of golfer can actually get the job done around here. Yep. Be it short or or a, a bomber like Kiros. So it, it does open open the uh, the field a lot doesn't it yeah it does if you were to stick you know if you were to line the fairways here with pine trees you'd call it a proper classical track because of the way that mm. the holes are navigated so um yeah it's it, it's an interesting one and it isn't just your atypical um desert track and i think that's why it does kind of create these correlations with other other layouts over the, uh, the, the on the european tour we shall see, but yeah, it's certainly a certainly stat that kind of sticks out when you when you dig into it. Mm, absolutely. Well, thank you for your time this morning, Paul. No worries. Best of luck this Much week. Much appreciated. 
hope uh, hope things go well for you this week. Uh, and uh, thanks to the listeners again as we said at the top of the show any reviews would be much appreciated of course we'll read them at the top of next week and uh, we hope that you enjoy another thoroughly good week of golf that's available both sides of the European Tour and the PGA Tour this week we'll be uh, back again next week we'll see you again then thank you bye bye <laughs>